Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and days of one good thing? Hello and welcome to One Good Thing, the podcast that hey run aboot the braes and powed the gowans fine. What? <laughs> I'm Paul Salt. Oh, I'm confused and scared. <laughs> That's Scotland for you. <laughs> we crossed the border and now, mummy, I want to go back. Take me back to Swindon. Where things make sense. <laughs> oh, Christ. And today we shall be discussing New Year's Eve. No, not the cynical holiday invented by Gregorians to sell calendars and morning after pills. Even better, it's the 2011 Gary Marshall movie. Some people swear there's no beauty left in the world. No magic. Then how do you explain the entire world coming together on one night to celebrate the hope of a new New Year's Eve, the middle part of his day trilogy that we seem to be watching in reverse order, having already reviewed the final part, Mother's Day. I think we all remember how that went. Blonde mum, yeah. bar mum, friends mum. And then it and then it becomes bar mum and friends mum. No 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 no. That wasn't bar mum and friends mum, that was um I meant bar mum and blonde mum. Oh, uh, critics hated it. Oh? Peter Travers at Rolling Stone said Director Gary Marshall follows last year's Valentine's Day rom-com crap fest with an even more puke sample of the species. It's pretty good. That's bringing out the best. <laughs> well, speaking of which, uh, Mark Kermode, for his Radio 5 live show, said it's a film so bad, even stupid people will hate it. <laughs> oh, that's kind of elitist from Mark Kermode there. Oh. <laughs> even them. Not even they will enjoy it. Oh, I... <laughs> even the stupid people, the ugly people... The fugly mums. <laughs> fugly mums are going to really have problems with this one, guys. <laughs> Do you know what, though? He was right. The stupid regular people hated it, too. Wow. And proved it by giving it a lot of money and then complaining about it online. Michael Bay style. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, Nathan Hooper at IMDb, in a review titled New Year's Heave. Oh! Uh, he said the trouble with ensemble comedies, romantic or otherwise, is that the audience is given little time to develop a relationship with any of the characters. But the problems with the film are far from done there. You can't just go reading the reviews that sum everything up perfectly <laughs> and then expect people to continue listening. <laughs> Paul. Turn off now, everyone. But you didn't find the one good thing. That's where the couple of Paul diggers come in to, to, to refine out that shit. A couple of drill pulls. You're welcome. Now, in spite of the Titanic cast list, we only actually have one new Threeman. Really? I was expecting more, but I... But... I know, but it's only one confirmed Threeman, and that is Sandra Taylor, uh, the model-turned-actress who used to be called Sandra Korn, with a K, until Donald Trump advised her to change it back in the 90s. Uh, maybe huh. Korn was too ethnic for him. Mm. Well, it's yeah. a bit it's, it, corn. It's a staple of the working classes, isn't it? So, <laughs> oh god, she was um, in this one of the two beautiful women trying to have a threesome with uh, Josh Duhamel. Oh, um, wonderful! She was also sexy Jim Mum in Mother's Day. Okay, and she played one of the women being sold at auction in Batman and Robin opposite Uma Thurman. Ooh, yeah, the places you can go with Donald Trump's support. Oh, free to a man, free in a bush, free. China all the time. There was a weird glitch in the OG Threeman mainframe today. Oh. We have a Matthew Walker who played Engineer Douglas in this, one of the chumps who stands by and can't fix the ball. Okay, we'll yeah. Explain more about that later, but that's pretty much everything about it. And he played Randy the Clown in Mother's Day who consoled Jennifer Aniston. Right. Yes. Now, our records stated that he also appeared in Alone in the Dark. But that is, in fact, an unrelated Matthew Walker who looks remarkably like Labour leader and Prime Ministerial hopeful Jeremy Corbyn. But mm. the Matthew Walker from New Year's Day and Mother's Day, the um, Jennifer Aniston yeah. clown, he was in Halloween 5 as Tina's annoying blonde friend who gets killed in the barn by the kittens. Ooh, okay. He's having sex with the devil girl and he gets all stabbed up, I think. That was him? That was him. Oh so, my gosh. We didn't like Halloween 5 much. So, Threeman? Now, now I feel like I've had this snatched away from me. <laughs> it's only fair that we get our Threeman. We want our Threeman! <laughs> we want Threeman, the people said. Okay, Matthew Walker, you are a Threeman, sir. You feel the shit, shit, mate, 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 mate. So, Paul, you old langs tosser. I'm walking here. 
<laughs> oh, look at him. Yeah. Look at him go. Topical. What's something about New Year's Eve that made your resolutions list? The resolutions never overestimate ever again. Well, Paul, that sounds fraught with emotion. Mm. What happens in the New Year is Eve? Well, we start off with a, a wonderful, wonderful overture to New Year's Eve. I wouldn't call it exposition. I think that would be unfair. It's, no. um... Well, it's you've seen Love an- Actually, right? Have I seen Love Actually? Have you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's that. It's that bit, which has to be in all the day movies. Some people swear there's no beauty left in the world. No magic. Then how do you explain the entire world coming together on one night to celebrate the hope of a new year? It's an ode to to New Year's Eve. And I can't remember who delivers it. Liam Neeson, probably, right? Yeah, it's Liam Neeson. Yeah, it's Liam Neeson. And he said... It's, it's, New Year's actually is yes. Eve. New Year's is actually Eve. It's it's Adam and Steve. <laughs> Stay out of my garden. <laughs> Basically saying that New Year's Eve is is the the day where everybody can objectively um, wipe the slate clean. It, it's so meaningful for everybody. This arbitrary day yep. that we we got. <laughs> so those Gregorians by by Gregorian calendars. <laughs> it's the most accurate yet. Weighed in by the Gregorian lobby. And Nivea. It's ruining America. And Nivea. God, yes. By Nivea, everyone. <laughs> Cavs supple skin. <laughs> it's, win- it's winter. Your hands are cracked and dry. Your lips are chapped. Just smear it all in cream. You're in New York. You've been stabbed by several knives. You're walking here. Use Nivea. <laughs> You're walking here. Use Nivea. Nivea. You're walking here. <laughs> um, we then swiftly move on to our first New Year. Yeah. And it is Vice President New Year, played by Hilary Swank. And her job is she's got to make sure a ball falls. When it's meant to, literally it. She's a mo- she's a modern New Year. Yeah, man. She's got things on her plate, and not just meat and potatoes. <laughs> nope. She's also got common. Yep. Uh, he's on that plate. Uh, well, being well, tremendously boring. No, that uh, you're mixing up your rappers, sir. Uh oh. Yep. Oh, was that Ludacris? It's Chris Ludacris Bridges. <laughs> How could I forget? You'll make it happen, and you'll still make it on time for your meeting. It was Chris Ludacris Bridges who was being incredibly boring. So, the next New Year is Pregnant New Year, played yes. by Jessica Biel. Yes. And she's hanging she's hanging out in the hospital, which is a popular haunt for uh, pregnant women, I find. Uh, she's there with her husband Seth Myers. Sudeikis yeah. New Year. Yeah, he was he's the Jason Sudeikis of this of this film. Um and they are pregnant yep. and going to have a baby, which is fine until uh Hugo Stieglitz New Year, played by <laughs> Hugo Stieglitz himself Till Schweiger. Schweiger. Schweiger points out that the first baby born after New Year in 2012 is going to get a 20 grand grant. Yeah. Just to celebrate the fact that the Mayans were all wrong. Yeah. Yes, so there's going to be competition now between these two pregnant ladies as both husbands literally jump up and down on their stomachs in an attempt to try and get this baby out of them. Yeah. And get 20 20 G. Yeah. On to the next one with that one hilariously set up. Oh, that's great. (sighs) Well, look, you can't have... You can't have a ball dropping in the middle of Times Square without some music. Luckily, <laughs> some fucking chick is going to organize it for us. Yeah. I've called her Party Chick because she's going to make sure the party goes down just right. And she's played by Catherine Hagel. Hagel! Yes, of course. Or Party Mum. Yeah. She was dumped by Jumbo Jovi <laughs> the uh, previous previous year. Yes, the uh, the Timothy Oliphant of this film, I think. <laughs> I can, an early favorite for the <laughs> prize of timothy oliphant of this particular day i thought you were going to say high concept a high concept alternative <laughs> to the timothy oliphant fans one that you can really get your teeth into a deconstruction of the concept <laughs> of timothy oliphant of dilf oh. but it is also high concept because um he's a musician in real life did you know that yeah. john bon jovi is actually a musician in real life it was on the imdb trivia um, oh yeah he plays the uh keyboards he's the keyboardist he's the keyboardist to the happy mondays yes and yeah that's the one yes because he is the rock star the... and he's gonna play the concert yes the massive rock star jensen new york times square are you fucking ready for jensen <laughs> are you fucking ready for barry <laughs> are you fucking ready for clive the rock star Jensen. Whoa, we're halfway there. Jensen, yes, perfect. Anyway, he's he's in it, and he broke Catherine Heigl's heart. Yes, he was living on a prayer, and he he ran he ran off when uh, when the going got tough, which isn't a Bon Jovi song. He only got halfway there. Then he left. He left to go and um, leaving Catherine Heigl to work the diner all day, emotionally speaking, <laughs> with her two offensive stereotype friends. Yes, Gloria from Modern Family, the comedy relief of the film. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, her and Russell Peters. Oh, yeah. He's but... Indian, but he's also camp. Keep jumping. You're doing very sexy, but don't stop. Bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. Oh, wait. Think no, no, wait. Wait, wait. Funny accent and wait, delivery. Wait. He was Indian and camp, and she was Mexican and promiscuous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Fantastic. Oh, I don't know if you noticed, but Sofia um, Vergara also implied that Colombia is quite violent. In my country, when a man gets down on one knee, it's because he either wants to get married or he's been shot. Sometimes it's been because of both. Ooh. Yeah, that was a reference to, like, killing, which, you know, we all know is true of that country. Meanwhile, Ashton Kutcher gets stuck in an elevator with Leah Michelle. Next. Yes, uh, also, um, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes. Is, um, a worried mum. She's New Year's mum. Oh, she's a mum. Yeah. She is. She's New Year's mum. This new- is the crossover, guys. Oh, boy. Set your watches. <laughs> Set watches to blood. <laughs> and she has a daughter played by What's-Her-Face from um, the film. That's actually her name. What's her name um, from the film? That's um, <laughs> how she was christened. Oh, fuck. Who, her who... parents had high hopes. <laughs> Abigail Breslin. That's it. Abigail Breslin from the film that I looked up yesterday. <laughs> Abigail Breslin is looking to totally bone down on a guy her age, and um, yeah. they're all going to meet at Times Square for the um, for the ball drop. Remember the ball drop from the beginning, guys. This has layers. She's hoping to go to um, Abigail's party. <laughs> a little something for the Mike Lee fans there. Oh, good. She's also hoping that a ball will definitely drop. Oh, you. She's fifteen. Everyone. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker is uh, not in favour of this and is following her about the place. She hates that and she hates her mum. Can we finally talk about Zac Efron? Well, I mean, not yet. Oh. We've got two more storylines first. Okay. The first is that a, a, some chump in a fucking church watching his his friends get married mm. is now going to try and race back to New York City yes. um, from being the only attendant at a wedding to... Meet up with some chick who he who said meet me here again next year. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be off the cast? Yeah, is it going to be Till Schweiger? <laughs> we can only I think hope. we were all hoping it was going to be Till Schweiger. We'd all put bets. <laughs> Ray Winston, he he took he took the chips. And he went <laughs> put him inside his massive head. <laughs> yeah, come back in two hours, Treacle. And we went two hours, but what that? Oh my god, it's the film. Um, but and unfortunately, that's all we get from. Him. No, he's got to get... No, unfortunately, no, that's not all we get from Josh Duhamel. He has to go back to New York, but he can't because the car's broken down or something. Meanwhile, Robert De Niro's dying. Yeah. More on that later. Yeah. And yes, we have Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. Who's playing Grumpy New Year. Yeah. Um, because Zac Efron comes in, who's horny New Year. And he, yeah, he says a couple of things about, you know, you want to lighten up, love. Might never happen. Cheer up. Get him out. <laughs> get him out. Lighten up, lighten up, get him out. <laughs> he has a list. Might never happen. It, whoops, it just has. <laughs> End of the day. End of the day. Lads did well. <laughs> He's literally a footballing god. <laughs> Liquid uh, football. <laughs> Liquid football. <laughs> Women shouldn't, uh, should never be referees. But uh, she, obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer, has a um, p- 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 problem with this. She yeah. and she goes to um she says never mind I can go to my boss John Lithgow and get a, a end of year bonus <laughs> he's reprising his character from the, the Santa, Santa Claus. Claus not the Santa Claus Paul there's a difference oh I'm sorry Santa Claus Santa Claus yes and he he looks like she just dropped a fake cock in his martini and explains that no she's not going <laughs> to get oh, the, the bonus that that she wanted because because I'm John Lithgow motherfucker what do you expect from me. <laughs> And, and she, and she and quits. just ignores her resignation. I quit. You can't quit. It's Grammy season. I, I almost died today, sir. No, no. You look fine. Can you get me a coffee? She does actually quit. She actually quits. And then she goes outside and um, she calls Zac Efron, the courier from Zac Efron Co., yeah. from Trump Co., to say, <laughs> You're, I, I now own you for the day bitch because apparently i can just fucking do that because you're a courier and no one gives a shit that's how cu- couriers work <laughs> you you know you, you're with deliveroo it only cost me 20 dollars for the full 12 hours <laughs> you are now my slave and he's like cool let's do it 
because she has a list of things that she wants to get done and um if he can help her achieve all of these it's like a, it's like a bucket list but quicker yeah <laughs> for the money train generation that um <laughs> if, if he can do help her achieve all of these she will give him exclusive tickets to a party that she doesn't want to go to that he would love to go to for reasons to do with the male gaze boning down boning up and down in and out all and diagonally shaking it all about ah my curtains <laughs> Zach F1 can actually bone diagonally. That's a, a skill unique to his class. Yeah, and that's it. That's it for all the stories. So yeah. let's check back in with them, shall we? Oh, now we've okay. them all. Okay, back to um fucking Hillary Swank. The ball hasn't dropped. Oh no! shit. And, and the, the, the ball hasn't dropped and it's gotta drop is the thing. Yes. That's... Um fucking Ferris Bueller shows up to tell her so. And what are her excuses? Brilliant. I really feel like Southeastern Railways in London should have a go at this because <laughs> um ladies and gentlemen, the train has stopped here due to a red signal. But really I think the, the train has stopped and it's an opportunity for us all to just reflect and stay still for a while you know and look back at the two kids who are just trespassing on the line <laughs> and uh, and also your your pasts and what's what's got you got yeah. you here and, and everyone in the train will just get up and start clapping <laughs> i think we should all take the time to shovel our own dead guy off the tracks <laughs> metaphorically speaking and also i need some help there will be no refunds <laughs> yeah um everyone everyone loves it except for matthew broderick yeah so she's got to sort this out so she has to get in uh kaminsky crazy russian guy from any asteroid film of the 90s <laughs> the two pregnant people try to induce labor in a number of ways yep carla gugino is there to be horrified by everybody's everybody's suggestions cut me fucking open just get that fucking baby out of me before it reaches my vajaj yeah (laughs) okay the third story out of eight um jensen and laura i want to know actually i want to spend more time on um on the last one (laughs) 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 what's the next one paul why till schreiger why couldn't he just go all hugo stieglitz and shove his fist down someone's throat (laughs) Well, preferably mine. Well, speaking of stuffing your fist down your throat, Laura actually slaps Jensen. Yes. Um, gives him a slap uh, because he proposed to her and fucking ran away afterwards. What a dick. It's my life, he said, and it's now or never. Um, <laughs> back then it was it was never, and he, he ran away. I mean, it's important to note that all of this was um, written and directed by a... Ooh, how old was he at the time? This is 2012, hold on. Born in 1934. Good afternoon, sir. <laughs> that's so that's so old. I don't even want to make a joke about it. I feel bad. Did he? Did he write and direct? He just. I think he just directed it. Well, who... It was written by Catherine Fagat. Oh, okay, so uh... it, was, it was it was written by a woman. Is is she also seventy eight? Because no, <laughs> no, she, she wasn't. Nineteen sixty two. So she was like. 50 yeah so 50 when she wrote this well the, p- the point is it has that ear for dialogue that only a 70 year old 78 year old white man can bring to things which is why female characters so often say things like what do you expect i'm a woman yeah you should have talked to her that's what women like we like to talk and um you have a zach efron 22 year old type calling uh, calling the hottest new year's bash of the century the hot ticket <laughs> That's this the baby. Is be a real shindig. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get a load of this hullabaloo. <laughs> Look, I'm just looking for a best gal to do to do some heroin drugs with, like all young people do <laughs> nowadays. So fuck me. The next scene, please, Paul. Yes. Okay. Meanwhile, in the elevator, they've actually gone insane and they've actually started eating parts of themselves and each other. Yeah. Um, the mother and daughter, Sarah Jessica Parker, um, she um, tried to stop the daughter from going to Abigail's party only for her to sneak out. And Sarah Jessica Parker um, endeavours to follow her. The guy has ended up, he's trying to get back into New York in order to meet up with um, the chick he said goodbye to you last yeah. year or who said meet me back here. And he's ended up in a minivan with a bunch of offensive characters and also Lisa Simpson. Yeah. Which is nice. Which is surreal. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Robert De Niro is still dying. Carrie Elwes is in this. Carrie Elwes is there um, in the same role as he is in Saw. Also Halle Berry Halle there. Berry too, who s- decides to sit next to him because Robert De Niro is dying. Possibly he won't make it before New Year's Eve. It's vaguely implied that he's been a bit of a dick in his life, which might be a, a pale attempt to try and do the whole dad storyline from Magnolia. Yes, 
Yes, I mean there is a scene of Julie, of Julianne Moore just freaking out inside a pharmacy. Yeah, um, I, I fucked men. Nothing. She's not in. I sucked their dicks. I sucked their dicks. <laughs> Best bit. So that's Best that's bit. that. Uh, and on the resolution tour, they're coming up with some really fun and genuinely clever and interesting ways of getting through her list of resolutions, which yeah. are sweet and also quite good natured. Yeah. Oh, then Zac Efron calls Michelle Pfeiffer a freak. It happens at a model of New York. Yes, Wonderstruck style. Yeah. Or rather, Wonderstruck is uh, New Year's Eve style. Yes. Oh my God, it's a riff. Brilliant. And they have Julianne Moore. Inception! Fuck. Wow. I sucked so many dicks. <laughs> um, the ball drops. The ball, the, everyone's the, happy. The ball drops. Everyone's happy. Yeah. And Louis well, Frank runs away. Hey, do you know what the clever thing is? A lot of stories converge on Times Square. It's like... Um, oh. It's like the Avengers. If you just imagine Sarah Jessica Parker as being like the Incredible Hulk. Yes. Um, they're all going to converge and fight aliens. Except instead of fighting aliens, they're going to um, fight a very contrived script. Battle adversity. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Um, Hilary Swank runs off in order to make a very important meeting. What could it be? Yeah. Wink. Oh. And the maternity ward. They both give birth. It turns out that Till Schweiger and um, Sarah Paulson are the ones who win. Um, because Seth yep. Meyer lies about the time that... Um... Yeah, costing his family $20,000. Yeah, um, letting so... it go to the man who owns his own business. Oh, yeah, as yeah. a charm schooler. Yeah. Adam Kushter and his girl got out of the elevator. Turns yeah. out she was a backing singer for Jensen. Yeah. So she's got to make it to the concert, and she rushes off, and he decides to follow her because he's got literally nothing else yeah. on. Yeah. Jensen eats Laura. <laughs> <laughs> No, they they they're together because he he decides yeah. to pack it all in. Now Jensen isn't singing at Times Square. The um the Ashton Kutcher lady, romantic interest, she sings. She evolves from backup dancer to John Bon Jovi. Meanwhile, Sarah Jessica Parker tracks down and kills her daughter. Um, <laughs> With a very specific no, she... set of skills. <laughs> no, she uh, the daughter has a a, a, a a momentary lapse in her love for this older man. As he sees her kissing someone else, she keeps, sees him kissing someone else. Yes, it's resolved in moments, but Sarah Jessica Parker was there to help her through it. Yeah, and then she leaves for a very important meeting. What could it be? Ah, Robert De Niro dies. Robert De Niro dies. Halle Berry. Halle Berry comes off shift. Does a sexy dance in front of a webcam. Yeah. <laughs> celebrating Robert De Niro's death. Um, Hilary Swank showed up just before he died, though. Yeah, Robert De Niro was her dad which is probably how she got into the acting business and so they go (laughs) that makes sense they go up onto the roof she now we understand why she wanted the ball to drop it wasn't because of new years and because of um, the people and everything or maybe even her job her dad was dying and she wanted to take him up to the roof of the hospital so he could see the ball drop and then die and then drop his own ball love it (laughs) of life yes freeing Halle Berry up to go for her own special date appointment she dresses up all nice Josh yep. Josh Duhamel is running still in 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 that like oh, long. Oh yeah. Oh, is that where she's going? Is oh. that where she's going? And he's running in that long like nineties coat with a big white scarf around it, looking like um somebody from City of Angels or something. Um, but yep, he goes through an airport and across a beach. Yeah. Halle Berry makes her appointment of her Skype chat with her boyfriend Common. He he's um on tour. Um, not in a John Bon Jovi sense, and they have a they yeah. have a uh like a pained bittersweet. Yeah. Skype reunion, which is sad. And then he gets cut out before they can properly say goodbye. Yeah. End of storyline. Yeah. Never see them again. Michelle Pfeiffer had a nice time with Zac Efron. He shows up yeah. to kiss her on New Year's Eve yeah. because, you know, he's a nice guy. Why not? Yeah. There's, and there's also two instances of elder women boning down with younger guys. Yes. Which I approve of. Yes, that was that was one of my good things. <laughs> because the other one is, oh, what have we got? Well, the last story. Fucking single New Year. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for this rendezvous with the girl he said he'd get back to a year earlier. Mm-hmm. And it looks like no one's going to show up. So he turns to go. But then, who's that over the horizon? It's Hugo Stieglitz, Tilt <laughs> Riding a white horse. Riding a white horse, which is also on fire. Gets on the horse, and they ride off into the distance. And Sarah Jessica Parker, who was the woman he was actually meeting there, looks on forlornly, and that's the end of the film. There's another fucking monologue to guide us out by liam neeson about him having a very particular set of skills <laughs> and him being able to find you eventually it's very out of nowhere god knows why he said it yes and that's fucking it we have post-credit sequence of everyone in the same um ahern foundation party dancing pretty much everyone from the film except for robert de niro yeah common was there well who's dead yes he, well he's yeah 
is impossible. But we do get some outtakes. We get some yes. outtakes in which we see Robert De Niro larking about yeah. with Hilary Swank because, hey, they were both in a hit boxing movie. They bond over that. With Robert De Niro, you've got to find something. He's he's very, like, he's a real opprobrious type. <laughs> did you see what Al Pacino did in Jack and Jill? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw it. Piece of shit. <laughs> what a dummy. What an asshole. What a dumb dummy. <laughs> anyway, back to New Year's Eve. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, that was that. Now, Paul, I watched two movies yesterday. Okay. Uh, one of them was New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. The other was that I finally got around to watching Abel Gantz's Napoleon, <laughs> uh, the 1927 masterpiece, um, which has incredible, innovative camera work, a fantastically charismatic performance in the lead, um, in the for the guy playing Napoleon. Yes, so I've heard it's incredible. Um, it isn't as w- widely seen as New Year's Eve. As New Year's Eve, possibly because of its five and a half hour running time. Now, one of these films was the longest film I've ever seen in my fucking life. And it wasn't the one directed by Abel Gantz in 1927. (laughs) This is such a long movie. And I think the reason for that is because you have eight storylines. Yeah. So when one of them is entering into its, like, uh, what would you call it? The peak of its story and is about to resolve. It's denouement. It's denouement. You've still got seven more stories to get to the same point before you could actually close it yes there was a there was a finishing montage about an hour in for one of the stories <laughs> that's the thing is ashton kutcher gets out of the fucking lift about an hour in yeah that's what i thought oh we're wrapping up and there was we we're halfway in look inception right <laughs> it didn't have the the denouement um for yeah. for the snow level and then have the denouement for the for the hotel scene <laughs> it had them all synchronized playing simultaneously yes. so that all the yeah. kicks happened at the exact same time in 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 this yeah. the, the the kicks were just all over the fucking plate all over the gaff mate weren't they they were in addition to being like really slowly paced and awkwardly paced considering like the fast paced storyline will be happening simultaneously to something yes. that has that is not as fast fast paced yeah. every cut or transition between stories is unmotivated. Yes. Um, to use a recent example, uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> um, shit film. No spoilers, don't worry. But your shit film, just totally yeah. overrated. Hey, it's death it. of the franchise. But um, death of the franchise because it's just too good. Uh, but one of the things it does absolutely fucking masterfully is transition between three different stories. And it's always motivated yes. to cut. It, it's, it could be a story beat. It could be a thematic connection. My favorite one is early on where Luke asks Rey, where's Han? And mm. before she has a chance to answer, we cut to Kylo Ren. Mm. Which is the reason why Han isn't there. <laughs> so, like, there's this great fucking... That is a really good cut. Because it just... It, it It's completely what the audience... It just guides the audience's emotions and residency and reminds them of that heartbreak. And it's beautiful. Mm. Here... It'll do things like cut away from the Bon Jovi storyline in order to show two seconds of the resolution list storyline and then cut back to exactly where we left off the Bon Jovi storyline. One of the things that makes it so long is just that you're all over the place. The thing with a third act or a denouement is when you're watching it as an audience member, I think it engenders like a sort of pleasant fatigue when you're watching it. You're like, okay, we're coming to the end of the story. Here comes the resolution. I can relax into this. Let's see what the film has to offer. And then, no, yeah. it, it completely messes with your... It's like just. It's like getting jet lag eight times. <laughs> there were a couple of times when we cut from Josh Duhamel's character when he's talking about mm. going to meet this person and it cut to the different women in the film. Right. Um, which, ah. which, to its credit, had, had, uh, had me and Nell guessing. Um, there was a mystery going on with who he was going to meet, which was quite fun. Yes, which was nice. I was a little disappointed it was Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't know why. <laughs> you wanted a genuine twist. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Jigsaw to have woken up. <laughs> he was waiting for himself. All along. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. He, go- he, actually- he actually goes to a grave. Oh. She threw herself off the building the previous year. Fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, so deep. I- and also, I actually really liked her character in this. Yeah. <laughs> I think she... I liked her as the mum, and she had some very sweet moments. She was in the wrong, of course, but she was never despicable with it. She wasn't like the mum from Spanglish, where the movie judges her to be correct. Yeah. Might I suggest a way of fixing this fucking movie? Okay. What if it was an anthology film, reminiscent of Parish Attempt, 
So you start your movie and you just tell the story of Ahern Party. Hmm. You tell the story of a guy who's outside of the city and he needs to rush back and you make it planes, trains, and automobiles. You actually make it funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> End that story with him getting to the play, uh, deciding to leave the big party and going to meet her. Next story, Maternity Ward. Tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. Jensen and Laura. Tell the whole story. I think maybe the hold off on that one. Elevator. Tell the whole story, but then end it at the point when like, the old lady is closing the elevator yeah. really slowly. Mm. So it's a bit of a mystery. She goes off. Then tell mother and daughter and end the, end the story there when at the subway closing door point. Yeah. When she's run away from home. Hospital story. More or less tell the whole thing except for the reveal of Hilary Swank showing yep. up. Just to make it, a, make it a story about the relationship between a dying man and his nurse, and everyone thinks that's all it is. Resolution tour, tell almost the whole thing, culminating in them arriving at Times Square, and then finally, Times Square is the final story, and use it to tie up all the other loose ends. Yeah. So, the, the third act can basically play out as it does, but just with, from Hilary Swank's perspective, and she keeps running past all these characters from the previous stories, who have their little conclusions and little twists, like the whole mother-daughter thing and yeah, things like that. Would that? I, I feel like that would really help. Yeah, it's insane. As as um, as our public reviewer said today, there was it's just not enough time to get to know any of them because there are some really yeah. be- like lovely stories in it. I loved. Yes. Um, as we were saying before recording, I loved the. Um, Resolution Tour. Resolution Tour is my favourite story. Yeah. It's, it's a really sweet idea, the idea that they've got a list they've got to go through, and there are yeah. ridiculous things on there. But Zac Efron's character has these really creative solutions yeah. on how to get through them, and my favourite of which is that on the list there are things like, I want to save someone's life, I want to go to Bali, I want to be genuinely amazed, yeah. all of that stuff. And for the most part, they're good solutions. The genuinely amazed thing was fucking weird. Because it's like, I want to be genuinely amazed. And then it shows him in a theatre yeah. on his own. And it's like, oh, I wonder what this is. Yeah. And the curtains open and there's a backdrop. And Michelle Pfeiffer just swinging from wires. <laughs> really yes. rigid. And with a facial expression initially made me feel that she had died. <laughs> yes. Um, she, she, she looked like she'd seen the event horizon. <laughs> And in my head, the only music that I don't know what the music was that was playing out to it, but in my head, it's it must have been that because I that's what I also remember. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, my favorite one, the one that actually does make sense, is that at one point they're shown in a veterinary area, and it's like, mm. oh, was adopt something on that list? Mm. And it's like, and he's, she's got a puppy, and it's like, oh, what is this? Why has she got a puppy now? Is that one of the things on the list? Is adopt an animal? Mm. And they say, okay, we're going to vaccinate this and get it back to you on Monday. It's like, okay, cool. Um, and he and uh, Zach Efron says, well, hey, look at you, well done, and look what you just did. You just saved a life. I was like, oh, yeah. that was a cool reveal. I would have really liked to have seen a film of that. <laughs> uh, like 80, yeah. 80 90 minute rom-com Zac Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. and what what a cool story that would have been as well with an older older woman with a younger guy and yeah. just, there was just so much good about that story and <laughs> and there's a sort of Gary Marshall stank in, 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 in Mother's Day that came in again in this there are like moments like when Josh Duhamel is on in the in the RV and talking about this woman and how he's not sure whether he's going to go or not. And the old guy next yeah. to him is like, "I'd step up and tap that," you know. And, it, and it's yeah, like, what the fuck was that? Grim. The film is just painfully unfunny. It yeah. really isn't funny. It's sometimes sweet, but there's very mm. few jokes that work. And I feel like mm. maybe this was the attempt to try and put some gags in, and all they could do was put in some crude stuff in the hope that would elicit some yeah. sort of shocked laughter from the audience. Here's a bit about how sat-navs are wrong, and and John Lithgow compla- complaining about music piracy. <laughs> Modern thing. There's a Penn and Teller reference. Going all Kanye on you is another reference. It's, it's, it's very much... we figure out what funny is. Yeah, exactly. Just... And there's also one line which isn't, like, it's not even a... It's not even a Gary Marshall isn't connected to the modern world type thing. There's, but it just it just it warrants mentioning when Zac Efron is first given Michelle Pfeiffer's list, and uh, he's like, "Oh, this is a crazy list. What am I supposed to do with this?" Well, I don't know. Be inventive. And he goes, "We're going to need a bigger boat." And then it cuts to him on a, on a like a moped. Why didn't you just right. say we're going to need a bigger bike? That would have been a way better line for that because it's a bike. <laughs> And it sounds still like still a both. Jaws reference. It's still but yeah, would have been a bike. But it makes sense. <laughs> you can you can look at it cynically. 
You can just say, look, they had a big budget. They got a bunch of stars in to pull people in. Like, just to bewilder people with the sheer number of stars so that they show up. Yeah. And then you make a vaguely inoffensive, somewhat engaging story that moves too quickly for you to notice how flat everything is. Yeah. Because the problem the problem with the structure I suggested is, if you just had, like, oh, let's pick one, the Jensen and Laura story as its own self-contained thing, it, you do have a greater chance of noticing how bland it is. Yes. When it's not chopped and cut with a whole bunch of other things, some of which is interesting. It's like you have a whole bunch of shit ingredients and a couple of really good ones. So you just make a salad, hoping that the good ones will cover all of the all of the rest. It just it just it, it was the brat's problem of having t- so many storylines, but oh, fuck. but it yeah. being um it being far easier to actually tell us to tell several stories than one good story. Yeah. I found myself wanting to connect with Ashton Kutcher's story and there was some yeah. there are some sweet things in that and like we said about the Efron five or five Efron story there are some really great things mm. about that and some other ones too and there was <laughs> wanting wanting to get something from it but yeah just being kind of milk toasted just being nothing and I mean yeah. if, if are you going is the point of the story to say what the New Year's Eve is is a magical night a stress it's a stressful time but also a chance for new beginnings not much was said no it was it was very unsatisfying yeah the narrative there about new beginnings is to show the cost of new beginnings and to show sort of because almost any time that you sort of embrace some sort of big change you end up losing stuff in the process stuff that you maybe value and really like so the way to tell that story is to have some characters all of whom seek a sort of new start with the new year but are having to like come to terms with the stuff they're leaving behind in the past yeah. or overcome mistakes, that kind of thing. Very much like Last Jedi. Uh, oh, God, I love Last yeah. Jedi. Yeah, what a masterpiece. And there's none of that. Everyone is just... The, the, the lives they're leaving behind, either they have no choice or they're really shitty options. Yes. Like, should I spend the rest of my life alone in this house as Ashton Kutcher or should I chase the incredibly gorgeous woman who showed real interest in me? Yeah. Ah... Uh, Yes. Oh, woman. <laughs> I almost feel like the voiceover was added to try and give the film some direction. And it, yeah. it, it doesn't even feel like that was the point of the film to begin with. And they just, like like with the twins from Jack and Jill, they had to bookend it with something. Yeah, I think so. So a fairly unimpressive, but not terrible movie, yeah. I think. Um, shall we talk about these good things? Yes, please. Let's quickfire. Quickfire. Um, so a moment that I'm not sure was intended to be uh, funny was a really lame moment in the Sam storyline where he's mm. got to race back. He's at the wedding and he sees the couple. And at the end of the scene, almost as if they didn't know how to end the scene, he just um, runs out of things to say and says, look at you two, all married. Yeah. And then it lingers a little <laughs> longer, then it cuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the was that yeah just the general positive message message of love and all coming together and understanding i thought was a nice it was a positive it was a positive film and there was no there was very little meanness apart from the odd like distasteful character okay i'm gonna go kind of go out on a limb on this one i'm gonna go a little bit out of the ogt boys uh area of comfort so to speak okay and run the risk of sounding like a bit of a blokey um podcast which um is something i think we've come a little close to before but uh i'm gonna flirt with that idea now okay here it is your wicket ashton kutcher Mm. he's stuck in an elevator with uh leia michelle yeah who's wearing a very skimpy red dress yeah and at one point, she wants to escape from the uh, hatch at the top. Mm. And he kind of lifts her up towards the hatch. And she's trying to do it. And he's kind of got his arms around her. And she's in this dress. It was quite erotic, ah. <laughs> the scenario. I found it to be a, a, a erotic scenario. Because I think most guys who are terrified of approaching women dream of situations in which you're going to be <laughs> stuck somewhere with one. <laughs> Inescapable. So, <laughs> to that extent... It was sort of classically erotic in a sort of childish fantasy way. Oh, brilliant! Which I, which I appreciated. I quite liked Ashton Kutcher in this. I liked his character Ooh. and um, Leia Michelle's. I thought so surly. I thought well, the two the two of them together. I thought they had good chemistry. Come the end of it, the look on John Lithgow's face when Michelle Pfeiffer asks for her end of year bonus it yes. is classic Lithgow. <laughs> Full on Lithgow, it's, unsheathed. Yeah, Lithgow. It was for me probably the comedy highlight. 
of the movie and it's a shame that John Lithgow wasn't there as sort of the main villain for every single character. <laughs> Somehow. Oh, I can't remember who's being cycled somewhere, but they're in the back. It might have been one of the pregnant couples and they're being cycled and, and one of them says, can you go, f- you have to go faster. And the guy cycling just says, this is my faster. Yeah. Yeah. Which I quite that, was, that, was, that was very good. When um, in that, the wedding that Josh Duhamel is, uh, to who, to which he's witness when they they explain to the the, yeah. the religious guy, Jesus boss in in that particular church, they say they explain that they're saving money for the honeymoon, and at that the priest oh, yeah. the priest sort of looks distasteful and then motions to the organist to stop playing the the wedding march, and oh, and yeah. when he does it jerks really suddenly and violently to silence. Uh, great comedy timing. Oh, Ashton Kutcher shows up at the concert, and um, he says something to the effect of, um, "Wait, how did you how do you how do you get in?" They, they think I'm Jensen's drummer because I told them that. Yeah, that was a good line. That was great. <laughs> there's there's one bit at the beginning of the film where Hilary Swank, it turns out, or her character, I guess, Claire Morgan, is um, afraid of heights, which is never really mentioned oh, yes. again in the rest of the film. But um, <laughs> she gets carried upstairs um, to get to the ball itself. And um, it's just a fantastic camera angle that she's picked up. It's at the bottom of the stairs, and as she's picked up, her face ends up like right close to camera, and then she's carried up the stairs away from shot. Right. Which is, which is, it was a really good setup. They kind of go, "Oh, is is everyone getting carried?" And then some guy like goes to grab an attractive woman to take her upstairs, and then his boss is like, "No," and the guy backs away, going, "Oh, no, 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 no." It's 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 a really good like fifteen <laughs> seconds of cinema. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I might be imagining this, but I'm sure that when Bon Jovi first gets on stage, someone immediately, immediately shouts, "You suck!" <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope I'm not imagining that. I'm sure it's in there. If you listen, when Robert De Niro's on the roof with Hilary Swank, he says something to the effect of, "I've made so many mistakes, mm. but you weren't one of them," which is such an underwhelming thing to say. <laughs> yeah, like I've done some shit things in my life, just the worst you can imagine. Oh, you weren't one of them. <laughs> Just, oh, you're Thanks, right. Dad. <laughs> I guess because she smiled right after, and that made me feel something yeah. because she's Hilary Swank and yeah. she does things with acting. Yeah, but the line is terrible. Yes, <laughs> like I've tolerated a lot of things in my life. <laughs> I'm glad I tolerated you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the sub stories uh, that might be a prequel to Mother's Day mm-hmm. is that there's a mum who's really overprotective of her kid, and she's like spying on the kid. Okay. Uh, like another Sarah Jessica Parker. And at one stage during the climactic kiss moment, that mum keeps like showing up to spy on them. And at one point the um boy kid gets really frustrated and just asks, Who is that? Yes, that was great. Which I quite liked. Yeah. Yeah, she just turns she turns up at the end and it's just really funny that no one knows who she is. <laughs> it's a good set up and paid off joke. Yeah. Um there's a nice mini wonner of Sarah Jessica Parker getting to the train, seeing her daughter leaving it, and the camera pans around to mm. her worried face as she picks up as she opens her mobile and goes to call her. I'd have that as a good thing too, because like she calls her and she, she, she motions to her. I'm going to call you yeah. so she can talk to her. And while she's watching her daughter go away, yeah. leaving in this one shot, we hear the voicemail of her saying, sorry, I can't yeah. pick up the phone right now, which we know to be wrong. And the incredible frustration at the idea that she is just over there. Yeah. You know, she's just there. I can still see her and she's not talking is a fabulous sort of moment of modern, disconnect yes for her to have with her daughter absolutely the puppy's very cute very cute yeah um I, during the end credit sequence um in, including the dancing michelle pfeiffer is dancing in character yes she's doing a very awkward dance um that her character might do which i found to be incredibly endearing there was a guy in the crowd at times square when the ball didn't drop that looked like nathan fillion <laughs> and it wasn't Excellent. his nose was a bit bigger and flatter but um other than that, straight up Nathan. Straight up Fillion. At one point, a doctor asks um, about how far along they are and says um, dilation, and they both give a figure, and then says uh, cervix, and um, Awkward Dad says she has one, which, again, was quite good. Yeah, cool. Um, I thought De Niro gave a fine performance. Sure. Yeah. The reveal that Halle uh, Berry is getting all dressed up and specially made up so she can do a Skype call with her boyfriend is very cute. It's sweet that she went to so much effort and was so tense about, you know, a, a Skype call. 
I like that. Yeah, definitely. There's a good Jessica Biel scream when she's, she she grabs her husband and she screams something. I'm just trying to squeeze a giant Escalade out of a compact fucking parking spot! <laughs> great. Again, it's just, it plays into how charming I found Michelle Pfeiffer's character, but yes, Michelle Pfeiffer at one point says, uh, agrees to do something on one condition, and then she gives a smile that broke my heart. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. We finally get the first bit of emotion in Ludacris's voice when he sees his kids. Aww. And it was it was as if, like, the job leaves him dead inside, <laughs> and the only th- he only does it for his kids. It was a spectacularly that... flat performance for the rest of the thing, it has to be said, and notable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that fiction that I've created within myself for the watching of this film really hit that home for me. Excellent. Um, I really liked actual shots of New York uh, in and around the Times Square celebration, Mm. including the cleanup at the end, where we have actual footage of, you know, street sweepers. uh, Street sweepers. Street sweepers. The old New York street Street sweepers. sweepers. They're brushing off, like, uh, graffiti. and Not graffiti, confetti. Um... Graffiti, you know what the kids are like. Um, festive graffiti. Yeah. They're brushing it off from the streets. And it's, yeah, it's cool. It really evokes a, t- a sense of yeah. time and space. There's one shot of Catherine Heigl before she's uh, resolved things with John Bon Jovi where she's just pushing chocolates into her face. Oh, yeah. And she doesn't doesn't matter how many chocolates she's eaten, she just keeps pushing them into <laughs> her already full face. Following on from the Halle Berry common bit, I thought it was a really bittersweet end to that mm. story. It was just really sweet. And it was actually... Like, as someone who has been in a long-distance relationship for the best part of two Mm. years, it really, really scraped the old heart there. Uh, My Mm. final thing is one of the moments that actually made me not choke up a little, but, like, feel that, feel (laughs) feel real emotion. And it came at the point when Sarah Jessica Parker has been chasing her daughter through New York, and she's finally Mm. caught up with her in time to see what her daughter has seen, which is... Ab- uh, which is her boyfriend kissing another girl which turns out to be a contrivance that is resolved very quickly which is unfortunate because it really undermines the drama of this moment but for now we don't know that we just know that abigail has found her boyfriend kissing someone else she was really excited now she's failing and she turns around to run away from this situation not realizing sarah jessica parker is right behind her and sarah jessica parker just grabs her in a hug and it takes a, a beat or two for abigail to realize what's happening like who this is and then she realizes it and just it's not a monster it's not some fucking guy (laughs) on the street (laughs) and i really like that the timing on it was great the way she just turns runs Mm. and then grab and hug like it was very tight wordless just pure emotion between these two characters let's check in with our og team okay og team we put out the call and um Literally three people responded. It was the is the anti Phantom Menace, I think. <laughs> oh, and uh, one of the people hasn't actually seen it. Uh, there was Jen. There was Katie who pointed out that she, she also helpfully, thanks, thanks guys, that um, she remembers nothing from it. And then um, Jack at Zaret with an X said, uh, "You know, I saw this when it came out, and while it wasn't good, it certainly wasn't the worst thing I've mm. seen." The De Niro storyline was quite sweet. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There we go. Thanks, everyone, for that. <laughs> Thanks. 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 Seriously. No, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Okay. Brilliant. Let's do the one better thing. The one better thing. Paris Je t'aime. Directed by the Coens, Wes Craven, Isabel Quachet, Alfonso Cuaron, Tom Tigver, Daniela Thomas, Vincenzo Natali, starring Elijah Wood, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Steve Buscemi, Natalie Portman, Juliette Binoche, Willem Dafoe, Gerard Depardieu, Bob Hoskins, Olga Kurilenko, Emily Moore. There's a lot of people involved in this. It's a short film movie. Um, It's an anthology of people's trials, travails, happinesses, uh, just little jaunts in Paris. Um, it's fantastic for giving a feel for Paris and the people there, which is something I, something I felt was largely absent from New Year's Eve. It told multiple stories, which were, for all intents and purposes, separate, but with some cohesion at the end. Um, it was tied together very simply, but in a really meaningful way. Um, it's a really touching and beautiful little film. They also have a film called uh, New York I Love You, which came out after that, which to, to lesser success, but um, still also worth checking out. Cool. Okay, uh, my <laughs> one better thing is The Apartment. Uh, speaking of movies that sort of build up and climax during New Year's, 
the Apartment is a romantic fil- romantic comedy film directed by Billy Wilder. Um, it's about a guy who works for a company and is trying to climb the ladder. And in order to getting good with the people above him, he starts lending his apartment to them so that they can have affairs in it. Because mm. uh, they can't do it in their own homes. So he's in this incredibly fraught situation where he's got people coming to his apartment <laughs> just to have sex. Um, and he, they're sort of coming to depend on him and he's finding himself pulled very thinly. Um, add to that further complications that um, his hu- even higher up is demanding more and more of his time and also he is falling in love with the elevator girl in mm. his building. Um, yeah, and there's lots of drama, there's lots of tension. It's a surprisingly dark film. Um, as well as being incredibly ahead of its time. And it's just also a really sweet and funny one. Um, it's entirely, the film is made by Jack Lemon in the lead, but you've also got Shirley MacLaine giving a fantastic performance. Um, hmm. it's just Billy Wilder and he's a fantastic director of films. He, know, he really knew how to make these engaging films and this is a really great one. And yes, it's all set around Christmas and builds up to, um, a big New Year's finale which is really exciting and thrilling in a way that new year's eve wasn't really and that was the one better thing the one better thing okay thank you very much for listening to one good thing thank you so much even though i'm all the way over here and paul's all the way over there in stinky england you can still get a hold of us at the same place and we can both see it because that's the internet it's a marvel it's twitter at ogt pod facebook at ogt pod say anything you're lonely You've been thinking about uh, ending it recently. <laughs> Just get in touch. I'm lonely. <laughs> I know Paul is. It'll all end with us killing ourselves. So We kill ourselves, yeah. so you don't have to. Yeah, um, if you like any of what I've said, my novel, Dockhead, is available on Amazon for on paperback and for... <sighs> Far more eloquent <laughs> in uh, written prose. Five ninety nine on paperback. Thank you for those people who have already bought it. And uh, you can check out my reviews and also some other things I'm getting involved with over at Screen Mayhem. Just keep an eye out. You'll probably see me in something. I've, been, I've actually taken to just mm. shouting stuff in the background of, very, of their various podcasts now. I just stand outside their house and scream stuff. So I'm featured in almost all of their content now. Yeah, you do also have a, um, a really entertaining review of The Last Jedi, which uh, if you haven't read it yet, guys, you should probably check it yeah. out. Yeah, an really ambiguous and, with, mm. and subtle review that uh, really sort of holds back. Zero stars. Zero. Worst film ever. Zero stars would recommend it. And I guess uh, the only other thing to say is uh, happy 2017, OGT fans, that's over. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you do it. Or happy new 2018. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a shit show, 2017, but some good stuff on the way. So Good for movies. Good for movies. Good for movies. Good for games. Bad for life. <laughs> mm. Good for almost everything except actual reality. I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember, the one good thing about New Year's Eve is the potential for a better film to come. We tway a pedal in the burn, fray morning sun till dine, but seas between us braid a hoard, sin days of one good thing. For one good thing, my Joe, for one good thing, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for one good thing. That'll do. Cool.